0: The Start on Demand. demand.
1: The Jets win in overtime, which meant we started our Friday in a good mood, and that good mood just kept getting better because we learned this morning on The Start that the hometown hero is returning to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Andrew Harris has signed a one-year extension, and we had a chat with Bob Irving. Another reason to be happy, Fried Chicken Fest starts this weekend. Seven days of unadulterated fried chicken deliciousness. And after I found something rather amusing in my laundry room, we had a chat about the funny slash weird slash insane things that have happened in an apartment building where you have lived. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Friday, January 15th. Hey, it's payday podcast for the start Mackling McGarry and McNabb and Jeff Forte and Master Control Greg did you make it to the end of the game oh you betcha I did Loren did you make it to the end of the game
2: yeah, but I was in and out. I, I decided to go to bed, and then I got up and went back out, and then went to bed, and then got up because, <coughs> you know, my family has this, uh, my mom's a giant Jets fan. And uh, so she kept texting things, and yes, no, and then I have a brother who's overseas, and this, everybody was weighing in. And it was driving me nuts. So then I had to come back out, and gosh, was I glad I did.
1: This is how it went down as we launched our Winnipeg Jets pregame coverage here on 680 CJOB at 5 o'clock yesterday afternoon. <laughs> It's time. Uh, I'm in. I'm in my prime.
0: This team's in its prime. It is time to win a Stanley Cup. And he's absolutely robbed by Connor Hellebuck with a great right pad save. It, it always seems to be a good atmosphere everywhere we play in Canada and whenever there's a Canadian team in our building. So there should be a lot of uh, a lot of exciting matchups and it just should make for a good division. Loose puck at Santa Rice, picked up by Wheeler. Partial two on one now with Shifley. Wheeler across the blue line. Wheeler out in front. One timer. Shifley scores. The rivalries that are going to grow here. I mean, just think of the teams in the East. We just don't see enough to create a rivalry now. Canadian cities, like the message boards alone, right, are going to be awesome. I don't read them, but I, you guys should because they're going to be funny as hell. So everybody's going to get wound up. We've had the entire country locked down for a year. It's an all-Canadian hockey. It's going to be
3: fantastic. We know the fans that we have in Canada. Not just in Winnipeg, but you know, all across the all across the country. And that's exciting for for us as players. I say this on behalf
0: of all of us at 680 CJOB in Chorus, Winnipeg.
4: Welcome home. Welcome to the official Winnipeg Jets pregame show. Here's your host, Kelly Moore, on Global News Radio 680 CJOB. Wow, how do you follow that?
2: How do you follow that? I know, right? Oh, gosh, I texted you guys last night that I tuned into the coverage at 5. I don't know what's going on with me these days, but I'll try at anything. And that had me tearing up, and then I was excited for Kelly, and then the night just got better because, man, like, like, I don't know where to take this, Greg, but we need to obviously talk about Patrick Lani because that kid came out to prove something last night. Well, how about we just press play on this, Brett. He's got the
0: O'Payog. moving in. Low shot. Oh, he scores! Patrick Liner, the hero tonight! His second goal of the hockey game is a game winner! Jets win! Jets win! Jets win in overtime tonight! The voice of the Jets, Paul Edmonds, with the call as the Jets battled back from a 3-1 first period deficit we're not talking about the first period that was ugly (laughs) and win their first game of the season four three over the calgary flames and you guys they say familiarity breeds contempt the jets and flames have now played one another five games in a row games four and five were separated by six months granted but these two teams might as well have played one another on wednesday night Late in the second period, Flames defenseman Noah Hannifin cross-checked Kyle Connor into the boards. Very dangerous play, and it was game on. And in the the man in the middle of the ensuing uh, Donnybrook, as Paul called it, <laughs> the player of the game for the Jets, Patrick Liney, who brought it all last night: two goals and an assist. An outstanding performance from the Jet. I think we could all suggest is under most under the microscope this season. It felt so good to let out an unadulterated shout of pure joy when Line A scored his first goal to tie it in the first and then when he potted the OT winner. Uh, this is how it sounded in my house when Line A scored in overtime. Okay. <laughs> I stole that from uh, YouTube. Uh. <laughs> Fans in a pub in, in England getting excited about Arsenal scoring a goal, but that was very similar. Let's put it that way, guys.
2: Yeah, and I, I when I came back out from trying to go to bed, it was around the time when he was just so angry and he was all fired up, ready to fight. And then I think he even commented after about you know the old Gordie Howe hat trick. What is it? A goal and assist and a fight? I can't remember how that goes, Greg. But um, he almost he almost had it.
0: Yeah, the Gordie Howe hat-trick, a fight assist and a goal. Well, yeah, (laughs) Lionel's quoted as being disappointed that his first sort of fight (laughs) of the season ended up in a two-minute penalty, which means it's not really a fighting major. Of course, it was Matthew Kachuk on the other side for the Flames. Hannafin uh, pushed Connor very dangerously into the boards. It cut Connor. Uh, For a moment, it looked as though Connor might be injured on the play. Liney jumped in to have his teammates back, took on Hannafin, and then of course, uh, Matthew Kachuk had to uh, get his nose in there and then it was game on. But the Jets look absolutely brutal in the first period, but then something happened between the first and second period. I'm not exactly sure if it was a Dale Howerchuk tribute or what, but they looked like a completely different team in periods two and three. And then that overtime uh, Patrick Line. I pointed this out on Twitter last night. And, and Lorraine, I don't know if you saw the same thing, but if you look at the highlight, Line's down near the goal line. It's three on three. And the Jets like to put the puck back to the defenseman typically in a situation like that. And Line waited for two Calgary Flame players to come closer, closer, yep. and closer. And then they were almost below the goal line. And Line somehow find, found this other gear, and stepped on it and went up the left wing, used Neil Pionk as a little bit of a decoy. He tried a shot. He kind of flubbed on it and then just kept trying to get that shot through and uh, tricked uh, Markstrom, and uh, boom, 4-3, and the Jets are uh, 1-0 to start the scene. It was incredibly exciting last night.
2: Yeah, if that's the kind of action we're going to see in the days ahead, just from him, let alone the whole team I'm in. Mean, you're right. I don't want to talk about that first period. I think my husband's word were, well, this is garbage or something like that. <laughs> because it really wasn't, this, this wasn't looking right. And then things started to click. And so I think this series between A, just Winnipeg and Calgary is going to be great. But really had to be excited for the Canadian um, rivalries that are going to be created, Brett. And so let us know what you thought about the game.
1: I want to talk about the weird slash funny or maybe even insane things that have happened in an apartment building in which you've lived. Something happened yesterday that just made me laugh hysterically. Now, I went in to do some laundry. There was a sign on the wall that said the price is going up. Currently, it's $1.25 for a wash and dry. 75 cents for wash, 50 cents for dry. That's dirt cheap. That is a steal because in my previous apartment that I lived on, Corden, it was three seventy-five total for the wash and dry so they're bumping it up to 225 for a wash 225 for a dry so from a dollar 25 to 450 not super happy about that but that's kind of market standard i think so whatever i figured that was coming sooner or later but one of my neighbors (laughs) put up some post-it notes some colorful post-it notes on the wall saying price increase coming in april dollar 25 to five dollars it's actually 450. A 400% increase is not a small increase because the sign said the price is going up by a small increase in <laughs> April. So clearly, one of my neighbors is not too happy with our building management. Just made me laugh at the, the protest. So, we wanted to talk about the funny things you, you may have noticed in your apartment building. And Forte, you actually had a bit of a, an episode this morning, did you not? Yeah, the
0: power is out or was out. I don't know if it's still out. But out in my apartment, and uh, I don't know, it must have happened around 2.30, and it wasn't a total blackout, I guess it was a brownout, because I could hear my electronics going off and on, off and on, and which woke me up, and one of my... Um, plugs by my sink. It's one of those special ones. Greg, what kind of plug is that? Uh, GFI plug, if I'm not mistaken. Um, sure, we'll go with that. Ground fault uh, receptacle. Yeah, and that thing was buzzing and finally all the power went out at 3.30, uh, but uh, anyways, I-, I left my apartment a little early. went to Tim Hortons because I couldn't make breakfast and I couldn't really pack a lunch because, you know, can't really see what
2: you're doing. <laughs> and I tried getting back to my apartment and now I'm locked out because it's one of the key cards, you know, so it's <laughs> electronic, so I can't get oh, back no. in. Oh, no! But uh, you know, I only had to wait uh, in the like little foyer thing uh, for about fifteen minutes, so that wasn't that bad.
1: Okay. Jeez, I never even thought about that. If the power goes out and you you have an electronic like a key fob, you might be stuck. Yeah, you're locked out. Oh man. Okay, so that's not a fun thing. Mackling, you said you had a story.
0: Well, geez, mine's a lot more fun than than that. That sounds like a horrible adventure. Not a great way to start your Friday. No, I used to live in Calgary in this apartment. It was at thirteen thirteen thirteenth Avenue Southwest. <laughs> 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 and I was never ever scared of the number 13. In fact, I tried to get the phone number 3131313, uh, but it didn't work out. Uh, but you know, uh, it was an interesting neighborhood in uh, basically Mount Lore Mount Royal in, in Calgary, Office of 17th Ave. And I never ever had to take any of my, um, what the uh, recyclables back to the. To the uh, liquor store, my empty beer bottles. I never had to take them back because I just put them down. I would go downstairs. I go out the back door, and I put them right next to the dumpster. And by the time I get back up to my apartment on the fourth floor, I'd go out on the patio, and they'd be gone, (laughs) like instantaneously. It was like curbside pickup. But I didn't have to phone anybody. It was outstanding. And so I forewent uh, the deposit to, uh, on the beer bottles and such. Uh, but it was a very efficient service, shall we say.
1: Yeah, and you, Alberta, I think, has a generous uh, recycling fee or, or reward. Do they not? Like you Yeah,
0: just- I think uh, we had it for pop cans and stuff, too, if I remember correctly, yeah. in pop bottles. So, yeah, that was always neat. My little brother came out for business. I said, watch this. We're going to put these down. And by the time we get up, they're going to be gone. Come on. Yep, sure enough, they were. <laughs> That's great. Did you ever find out who was doing it? Oh, it was a whole uh, roaming. It, it was a little syndicate, <laughs> I think. <laughs> it's the syndicate of Oompa Loompa. <laughs> are collecting Oompa Loompas. <laughs> uh, Cam Poitras. Uh, I, I've only lived in an apartment for a little over a year. Actually, was, I also lived in an apartment in Calgary in that same neighborhood, Greg. I don't know if you knew that, but um, uh, yeah, just not. just the weird smells that came out of people's apartments. Like I've, I've never smelled anything like that in, outside of an apartment about what somebody was like cooking. There's just always like that. There's like this distinct apartment cooking smell. I don't know what it is. You never smell it anywhere else but i've always found that like apartments and uh, what just the weird sense as you walk through the hallway you're like all right that guy that's that guy that and you get used to the smells like you know that it's this a is mixture. that guy yeah, it's a mixture I, of everyone's cooking Yeah, I don't know it's weird it's it's, it's like a weird it's a distinct smell Yeah, they I'm, call it fusion you yeah, guys <laughs> come
2: on <laughs> have I'm you sure. ever wanted to knock on someone's door i you know and just be like god some smells really good i'm just curious what you got going on in here <laughs>
1: yes i'm sure my neighbors in my court and apartment we're like, ah, Brett's making hamburger helper again. <laughs> <laughs> Loren, what have, uh, what do, you, what do you got?
2: Well, this segues off Greg's curbside pickup story. I had an apartment in Osborne Village several years ago, and um, I used to always hear this like outside the my window. I think it was on the third or fourth floor, and then someone I would hear a tap on the window, on the first floor apartment block, and then I'd look down, and it would be there. And then a couple hours would go by. <laughs> tap you know go down and I'm like what is always happening down there and I never saw anyone ever come out of that apartment and then finally I had a friend over and he hears this noise looks down he's like you know that guy down there selling weed out of that basement window right and I was like what and he's like yeah it's like a sweet curbside marijuana pickup going on right downstairs and I was like what I have been wondering for months (laughs) tap 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 and I had I never figured it out never saw the guy never really ever saw anyone do anything and then finally I was like Huh! I am really naive. I just thought friendly chatter was happening all the time, but curtsy, curtsy, we pick up. It was a drive through window. Yes! <laughs> it's pretty entrepreneurial, if you
1: think about it. Oh, yeah. So we would like for you to text us at 204-780-6868. The weird or funny things that have happened in an apartment building you've lived in, we don't have anything to give away. There's no text giveaway today, but we do still like your stories, so feel free to share them at 204-780-6868. Text message from Scott at 204-780-6868 about funny-slash-weird-slash-insane things that happened in an apartment in which you've lived. Scott says, Funny thing that happened to me in the apartment block, 1997. I moved in on Edison Avenue. And uh, in this apartment block, I had this neighbor. She's really cute, but she was married. Well, me and about six other people around my age who lived in the apartment block, we'd all get together in the hallways, after about a year and a few steamy times in the laundry room, she ends up leaving her husband, and me and her end up getting together. We've been together now since 1997. We have two kids, 21 and 16.
0: That's pretty yeah. cool. It's
2: like a soap opera in that. That's like Melrose Place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you watch Melrose Place? You're oh, not yeah. that. You're not old enough to even Oh see no, that, I watched Melrose
2: Place. I can't remember what year that came out, but sure. I don't didn't watch a ton of it. It's Too much drama around that pool.
0: What <laughs> <laughs> did the did Seinfeld did the characters on Seinfeld watch Melrose Place in one episode? Was that a a focus of one of the episodes i want to say it was i think you're right i think you're right so jerry gets all worked up about the storylines. <laughs> <laughs> he cares about nothing in life but this he has passion about
1: melrose plays it, it was a dramatic show so thank you scott for your story we are getting a bunch of great stories on weird stuff that's happened in your apartment building so keep them coming 204-780-6868 and we will share them throughout the show are you still going to work when you have aches and pains or sore throats,
0: or are you staying home? Yeah, we know that the, what the advice is, but we also know that for many Canadians, staying home isn't always an option. It's why the federal government created a program last year to help people who don't have paid sick leave. It provides $450 after taxes per week for up to two
2: weeks so there is money there but some might argue that's not a lot and it can actually apparently take up to two weeks to end up in your bank account so as global nationals mike drolet explains numbers are showing that far fewer canadians are actually accessing that program than expected meaning people might be going to work during this pandemic when they shouldn't be and advocates are once again calling for change
4: in grocery stores and restaurants long-term care homes and hospitals frontline workers have been a constant throughout the pandemic They've showed up for work regularly, but Rashev Brown says they never really had a choice.
0: Even though we're going through this pandemic, if you got in sick, there's still chances that your next
4: shift, that you could be disciplined. And now health officials are drawing a direct line from the lack of paid sick days to workplace outbreaks, and Brown says they all know it. So you need every
0: single paycheck to survive. So you're basically putting yourself in a position where it's either... Um, I can't pay rent properly for the month. Is either um, I sacrifice my groceries this week um, or I stay home because I'm not feeling well.
4: The issue of paid sick days is complicated and for the provinces, potentially expensive. The issue is, of course, that by legislating workplaces to pay this type of sick leave, you're incurring a new cost for employers that they didn't have. And so in the middle of a pandemic, I think the provinces have said we're not willing to do that. So the federal government stepped in and created the Canada Recovery Sickness Benefit. But as the number of COVID-19 cases rose sharply since September, so too should have the number of CRSB applicants. Yet the opposite occurred. Why? Well, critics suggest the CRSB is flawed. The benefit pays $450 a week after taxes, which is less than minimum wage. There's no job security for workers and payments can take four weeks to process. Local health officials and politicians have been clamoring for a new plan.
3: I'm almost to the hairlighting on fire time with this where the fact there has been no
4: response from anybody about this. Is it fair to say that it's going to be extremely difficult to get COVID under control until we solve this key issue? Yes. And, and one of the things that we have to look at is when this has worked is when we provided the
1: most help. When we had SERB in place, when we had uh, financial supports in
4: place, when people could stay at home, they did. And it shows that public policy, when done the right way, works. Mike Perlet, Global News, Toronto.
2: So a couple things, guys, that stood out for me in that story. First of all, $450 after taxes per week, that's just slightly more than minimum wage if you're working a full-time minimum wage job in Manitoba. It'd be less than minimum wage in other provinces. And so there's the dollar amount that might be an issue, how fast it gets into your bank account. And then there's the bigger question, of course, we're not supposed to be going to work sick in this pandemic, but 58% of us don't have paid sick leave, and the wheel just keeps spinning around. The federal government introduces this program. People point figures at the provinces saying they need to do more, and then, of course, small Business have said repeatedly, We can't afford to, to be putting out big paid sick leave programs for small businesses. And so, where does that leave us? Just talking about this again in another year's time?
0: Well, nine months later, we're still having this discussion. This was part of the initial conversation around COVID 19 that this was going to have to be in place. We were going to need a program in order for lower waged Canadians without sick leave. The opportunity to stay home and not have it impact them financially or economically or at least minimize that impact. And so it's taken all this time, yet the government managed to implement the CERB program. And there was up to $8,000 people got on CERB, if uh, if my math is correct. We're talking about a maximum of 9 hundred dollars could we not streamline the process on that program in order to make sure that the people who are falling through the cracks aren't doing so don't have to make these difficult decisions and then the ones you know there are people going to take advantage of it potentially well to go after somebody who is working for nine hundred dollars versus going after people who are not working for eight grand you tell me which battle do you want to fight Mackling, McGarry, and
1: McNabb. Normally, Friday's at 7.37. This is where the couch potatoes assemble, but we were told to clear a path for this segment, so we did that at 6.37. You can hear us in the audio vault at cjob.com. And indeed, we do have some breaking news this morning. Should have told Fortier to queue up a stinger, so I'll just do it. Da-da-da-da! da 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 Breaking, breaking news! Greg Mackling, what have we got?
0: Well, why don't we let the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Bob Irving... Come on air with us. And, Bob, I think this is news that you should share with our listeners at 7.38 on a Friday morning. Another tremendous announcement for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers.
5: And it's the signing, you guys, that I think uh, the fans have been waiting for. The Bombers announced just a couple of minutes ago that running back Andrew Harris has agreed to a new contract, a one-year contract. He was eligible to become a free agent in February. I don't think any of us felt he was ever in serious danger of leaving. This is his hometown. This is where he is setting himself up for his future after football. But it's a great relief, I think, and exciting for fans that Harris will be back for an 11th CFL season, his fifth with the Blue Bombers. He turns 34 in April, but he's going as strong as ever, as he proved when he last played in the Grey Cup game in 2019.
0: Well, of course, he was the outstanding player and outstanding Canadian uh, because of his birth certificate, the first player ever to do that, Bob. Just for those that maybe are casual Blue Bomber fans, just how important is it, A, that Andrew Harris is on the field with this team, and B, do you think it is that the Blue Bombers continue to sign homegrown players like Jeff Gray, like Nick Dembski, and now Andrew Harris? Does the winning feel a little bit better with those guys on the roster?
5: Well, they're hometown heroes for sure, and I think it adds something to it, Greg. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Andrew Harris has become arguably one of the greatest players in the history of the Canadian Football League, and I know that's a strong statement, but look at what he's done. Uh, He rushed for 1,380 yards in 2019, the third year in a row he's led the CFL in rushing He has now rushed for over 9,000 career yards. He's caught 565 passes. Uh, He's had five 1,000-yard rushing seasons. Only five players in CFL history have had more than that, and they are Mike Pringle, George Reed, Charles Roberts, and Joffrey Reynolds. It's a remarkable list. He's durable. Uh, He's only missed 11 games in the 10 seasons he's played and that's a, a real tribute to what he's done. He's been named an all Canadian six times and he's been at his best in the postseason. Eleven playoff games he's played in, he's averaged six yards rushing, and in the two Grey Cup games he's played in, both of which he's been named the top Canadian, he's averaged seven point one yards pardon me rushing. And those are big numbers. If you're rushing over six yards per carry, you're in a very special zone. I guess the other thing I would add is he's a leader, and Michael Shea raved about Andrew the first year he played in Winnipeg. He knew Andrew was a talented running back, per se, but he didn't realize what a perfectionist Andrew was on the field. I'm told by the coaches repeatedly he never misses an assignment. If he's supposed to block somebody, he blocks him, and he never gets the wrong guy. He lines players up who might not be in the right spot on a given offensive play, and he brings things beyond the obvious numbers that he rolls up that are uh, intangibles that really are irreplaceable. So is he important? For sure he is. And I can tell you the rest of the Bomber team will, uh, will be excited this morning knowing that Andrew Harris is coming back for another year.
2: Bob, you mentioned those numbers and there's just, I mean, there's 27 different points to be made there about uh, the talent he is on the team. But you talked a, a little bit about the leadership and just kind of the role that he plays. And I'm curious, you know, both on the field and in the locker room, how crucial it is to have not just that experience and the talent, but just his voice, his presence.
5: Well, it's very important, uh, Loren, and I think he's one of a number of players on the Bombers who bring that, but he brings it in his own special way. He can be a a little more outgoing, I think, than some of the players, a little more vociferous. You know, everybody leads in different ways in professional sports, and Andrew leads by example, but he also leads uh, with his voice in the locker room. He's one of those guys, you know, where players are sitting around before a game or during a practice or whatever, they kind of look around and see who's with them. And then they see a player like Andrew Harris, and I think it buoys everybody on the team. And it's hard to describe and explain how that works. But uh, he's just a player who's an integral part to the success the Bombers had in 2019 in so many ways. And he will be again for as long as he plays. And I don't know what, 34 most running backs are done. Uh, But Andrew's an exception, and I think that's another sort of tribute to what a special player he is.
1: But given that it's just a one-year Extension, is it reasonable to suspect this could be the final campaign for Mr. Harris?
5: I guess it's reasonable, Brett, to suspect that, but uh, I wouldn't necessarily think that's going to be the case. I think what what's going to happen, and he'll probably say this when he speaks to the media later this morning, is that he's taking it a year at a time now, and he'll see how the 2021 season goes, and then he'll make a decision on his future after that. That would be my guess. I, I think he's one year at a time. But I don't know. Andrews never relied greatly on speed per se like a lot of running backs do he's fast enough don't get me wrong uh, but speed hasn't been his forte so as long as he can stay healthy and continue to drive himself to stay in top condition which is a challenge for all older athletes I don't see why he can't play for another two or three years, but uh, we might hear more from him on that coming up later this morning.
0: He's obviously terrific out of the backfield, catching the ball. He's very smart, Bob. He makes decisions very quickly. He makes the right decisions. Seldom does he make the wrong ones, and so it will be, I agree with Brett, interesting to see how this plays out over the next year or so. And the Blue Bombers can't do this. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bob. They cannot uh, hitch their wagon, if you like, to a player like Harris, who's got the Canadian passport without players behind him on the depth chart that can fill in in the unusual circumstance where Harris gets injured because he's a Canadian, you need a Canadian backing him up otherwise your, your ratio gets thrown out the window, like I say, in a situation where Harris can't play.
5: That's right. It's unique for a, a team in the CFL to have their number one back be a Canadian. John Cornish did it for a number of years in Calgary, and it's Andrew Harris here now in his later years when he was in B.C. But, yeah, if he goes down during a game, uh, you know, you have to have a Canadian to put in there to back him up, and that's critically important to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But first and foremost this morning, they, they've got Andrew Harris back under contract. Number 33 will be on the field in 2021. Uh, when the Bombers try to defend the Grey Cup championship that they won almost two years ago now. And that just, I think, adds to the excitement for Bomber fans.
1: Bob Irving joining us live on 680 CJOB. Once again, Winnipeg Blue Bombers have agreed to terms on a one-year extension with Grey Cup MVP Andrew Harris. Bob, thank you so much for joining us today.
5: Okay, my pleasure.
1: And as Bob mentioned, Andrew Harris will be speaking to uh, the media via Zoom at 9.45 this morning. So we'll hopefully be able to uh, share some of those comments with you. And eventually, I'm sure you'll hear Andrew Harris speak to Someone on 680, CGOB, Greg.
0: I suspect that'll happen very quickly. When you can stand in the middle of a dressing room with a bunch of high-octane athletes like football players are and yell and ask them the question, have you got my back? And to have them all in unison shout back at him, yeah, we got your back multiple times. You know that Andrew Harris is as critical as they come in the locker room for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So that's a big, big signing.
1: So as you well know by now, I eat a lot of takeout. I'm just too lazy to cook, quite frankly. But I also like to support our Manitoba restaurants, uh, especially during this pandemic. And I sometimes will branch out and try different things. But my go-tos are pizza and fried chicken.
2: I don't want to get into a debate with you, Brad, about how often you really do branch out because I think it really feels like it's a lot of pizza and fried chicken. But we can fight about that later because it's an exciting week ahead. For fans of fried chicken, the fourth annual Fried Chicken Fest starts
0: tomorrow, Great. Marketing expert Susie Urgevek-Parker is the mastermind behind Fried Chicken Fest. She joins us now. Good morning, Susie.
6: Good morning, everyone. Brett, I didn't know that you were my shadow uh, emissary for the Save <laughs> Manitoba restaurant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, I have. I don't even want to think about how much money I have spent <laughs> on takeout awesome. over the last nine months, Susie. <laughs>
0: Susie, if what? I can if I can encourage people to buy St Bonaventure's Hospital lottery tickets, maybe Brett McGarry should be on the TV commercials with you encouraging people to eat fried chicken over the next I think week. We
6: definitely we definitely need to look into that for sure.
0: <laughs> so how many restaurants are taking part this year.
6: So we have over forty this year, which is uh, I believe we had like twenty two last year, so it's almost double.
1: Now, how much of a shot in the arm? Can something like this provide for a restaurant, uh, Susie? I mean, especially during this pandemic.
6: Well, I think this year especially, uh, restaurants were looking to get involved, obviously, for the visibility and to let people know that, yep, they're still open and, yes, they're still providing these delicious dishes. Um, so our research showed, because we do a post-event survey every year, that restaurants can see up to a 200% increase in year-over-year sales. And typically, Fried Chicken Fest Week is the slowest week in restaurants because it is post-Christmas, you've got your bills, you know, you're fretting about those resolutions. And so we really created Fried Chicken Fest to kind of blow those preconceived notions out of the water and just say, you know what, Blue Monday is coming up. We know it's going to be cold. We know it's still dark. Let's just make ourselves happy and eat some fried chicken.
2: My God, this website's making me happy right now. This happens every time we talk about food. I start looking at the food, and I'm looking at a sandwich right now. I think it's, is it called Crispy Brunch on, uh, Crispy Bunch on Sergeant Susie? It's like a yes. buttermilk And spices smeared with egg salad spread, a banana, mayo, ketchup sauce, thin sliced cucumbers, a warm baguette bun. And it looks delightful. I mean, like it's the creativity that comes out of this, too, because I used to just think it was just wings and and just the fried chicken. But no, there's so much more happening here.
6: There's so much more. And the creativity, like you said, Lauren, is unbelievable this year. We even have some restaurants that have entered two dishes because they're so, I guess, competitive is definitely part of it, and they just really want to up their game. So they are really bringing it this year. And I have to say, you know, you look at our Instagram, you look at the website, some of the photos have just been blowing up, and you can almost taste them coming off the screen.
0: Well, you know, you've done such a great job, Susie, of highlighting the plight and, and rallying behind Manitoba restaurants, and I think these weeks are extraordinary. They're extra special. You highlighted how how a dramatic effect that that this can have on sales but just this whole notion of of the timing of everything for this year and for local entrepreneurs restaurateurs who who are really feeling the pinch right now this is sort of a perfect storm in my mind
6: It really is. And, you know, if you look at a lot of the descriptions, we are using Manitoba chicken. So these are Manitoba farmers that you're helping. These are Manitoba suppliers that you're helping. You know, a lot of this stuff is homegrown. You look at even the the greeneries that they're using. Like, all of those are coming from local places. So it really is a local homegrown festival that's celebrating the best of what we have in Manitoba.
1: But even though it's called Fried Chicken Fest, it's not just... For chicken lovers, right? Not just for carnivores because there are other options available uh, depending on you know your dietary needs.
6: That is correct. So this year we have something really for everybody. We had Ruffage Eatery come in and join us. And they have created this vegan dish that will look like chicken and taste like chicken. So if you want to partake in Fried Chicken Fest with your friends and you're vegan, there's no excuses now. That's definitely there. And we also have an option from Cocoa Beans uh, on Corrigan, which is dairy-free and gluten-free. So a lot of these restaurants as well are taking into consideration dietary restrictions too.
1: Well, Susie Urjavek-Parker. Fried Chicken Fest is going to be my home uh, probably for the next week, uh, and I can't wait. So, thank you very much for for creating this and uh, for making it so big. Like the my Instagram feed for the last several days mm-hmm. has just been Fried Chicken Fest feed picture after picture after picture, and uh, it all looks so good. So, looking forward to it, Susie.
6: Have
1: a delicious week everyone. Susie oh, Urjevick Parker from Fried Chicken Fest joining us live on 680 CJOB. The website is uh, friedchickenfest.ca or you can follow them on social media. So
2: good. I can't stop looking
1: at these sandwiches. I know, I, that that's the problem with these things. I I never know which one to pick and then I and then once I make my decision I always think did I did I make the right call? Cuz oh. I can't have can't go to 40 places. Yes,
2: you
1: can. Well, I, guess you I can could. do it,
2: man. As long as there's no low sodium options in this chicken fest, I'm in.
5: I
0: don't know how you guys are doing it because I won't even go on the website to tempt myself. No, no, well, like no. you like, should. Gotta, period. No. no, I can't do it. I can't do it. I would want to go everywhere.
2: Because we do want to get to this important Innovation HSC radio a day. We always share stories of grateful and passionate Manitobans. And like many of us, they've received really, truly exceptional care at HSC Winnipeg. We know there's research and healthcare personnel will join us uh, that day to provide insight into the work that's being done at HSC and how it helps so many of us. As always, the Radiothon is presented by Merrick Holmes, and we're going to run that from 9 to 6 p.m. on 680 G O B, just one week today. But right now, we kind of want to give you a listen to one of the more inspirational stories, which I think, Greg, will really help highlight the impact of the care provided at this uh, valued hospital.
0: Yeah, in this case, it was life-saving care, Loren. Carol Ricky is a Manitoban who is living in Port Moody, B.C. On Christmas Eve 2009, Carol got on an airplane to come back to Winnipeg, To be with family over Christmas, a lot of us who've ever moved away from home do that, of course. What happened next is a testament to healthcare workers, the love of family. And you should know that Carol was a nurse for over 35 years.
7: I left Vancouver Airport feeling absolutely fine. And uh, actually that winter, when I arrived in Winnipeg, it was a really nice, warm winter. Uh, Arrived Christmas Eve. Uh, That was fine. had Christmas dinner with the family on Christmas Day. Boxing Day, went out for a couple hours with my sister shopping. And then uh, on the 27th, I started feeling like I was coming down with the flu. And I have lots of nursing colleague friends still in Winnipeg. And I had made some arrangements to go out on some dinner dates with some friends for the days after Boxing Day that I had to cancel, and um, I thought, oh, you know, I'll just stay in bed for a couple of days, and just ride it out. Uh, Of course, my sister, who's very close to me, my sister Judy, she said, well, maybe I should take you to ER, you know, like, you you don't really look well, and being a nurse, and it was Christmas week, and I said, oh, I'm not going to go to ER for, like, a cold or the flu. I said, "Uh, I'll just, ride it out at home and so I stayed in bed but what I didn't realize even being a nurse was that I was getting sicker and sicker my sister was seeing this but I wasn't seeing it I was feverish I was kind of incoherent and a lot of my information I got like after the fact uh, from the doctors and the nurses and my sister of what they saw and um, and my sister was checking up on me. Thank goodness she was so vigilant, checking up on me as I was, you know, sleeping in bed that when on the, the last check that she did on me, I apparently was not responding. And they called the 911 and, and I don't even remember the ride in the ambulance arriving at the ER. I don't remember anything until... Almost three months later, I woke up and I was in ICU
0: oh my word so thirty five years as a nurse and yeah. you started your career at hSC so even with all of this knowledge, uh, you had a little bit of stubbornness in you and and thought maybe you knew knew better you figured well, you were I was
7: always I was always very healthy working in the operating room you have to be definitely really healthy because it's a very strenuous you know uh, position and um, so I just thought it was the flu, but I couldn't have been more wrong.
0: So you had some extraordinary help. Uh, I always think nurses are extraordinary. I want to go on the record with that, Carol. I, Thank think, you. It's a, Thank I, you. I think it's a calling versus uh, something that you do as an occupation. I think it's something that comes from deep inside of you. And I feel the same way about doctors. So Dr. John M. Bill, could we say saved your life? Yes, he
7: saved my life when I woke up initially, I wasn't aware of where I was. I had no recollection of what happened. I couldn't move any of my limbs. I realized that I was on life support. Like I was on a ventilator. I had a trach, so I couldn't speak. And and for a moment, I was really frightened, really, really frightened, even as being a nurse, or sometimes being a nurse even made it more frightening. Uh, but then uh the, there was i was had a nurse at my bedside 24/7 because i was very unstable and um they started talking to me and telling me what had happened and uh you know and and that and then after i found out that then the doctors were coming on rounds every morning they were saying to me like you're a miracle patient like we we They had told my family that uh, after about a couple of hours of working on me in the ER, they said to prepare for the worst that I probably wouldn't make it through the night.
0: What an incredible story. Now, yeah. we just have a couple of minutes left here, 90 seconds if I'm being exact. And okay. just that whole idea of being intubated, it's something that we're hearing about around COVID-19. My yeah. mom spent her last five or six hours of her life on a ventilator. It was very difficult to see her in that condition and under those circumstances. Just maybe for those that that think about, oh, well, you know, you've got a piece of machinery to save your life if you, you get a serious case of COVID-19. Tell them just how how overwhelming that piece of machinery is, either to see someone that you care about on that ventilator or to be on the other side of it like you were.
7: Well, when I woke up, I think that was the scariest moment, was knowing I was on this ventilator. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move my limbs. I, I was so sick that, you know, I—I I mean, I was just frightened, and—and and it was very, it was very scary for my family as well. You just, uh, you know, my sister was at my bedside every day, and—and um, being—and also being told like that I wouldn't make it, and then because Doctor Embo consulted with HSC, uh, he virtually saved my life and uh him i owe my life to my sister and to dr emble the ventilator is scary for family and scary for the for the patient that's on it because you can't talk you're you know you're you're on the ventilator you keep there's no way of communicating with people other than eye contact
0: Carol, thank you for sharing this story. Thank you for your years of service as a nurse and an OR technician. You are a special person, and we're so glad that you're here with us to, to share this story with us. You have a wonderful day, and and we'll talk again.
7: Thank you so much. Appreciate
0: it. Yeah, Carol was suffering, as it turned out, with strep A and pneumonia. What an incredibly harrowing experience with... A happy ending.
1: Friday, January 22nd, the Innovation HSC Radiothon presented by Merrick Holmes. Money raised through the Innovation HSC Radiothon helps improve patient care at HSC through important research initiatives, training opportunities for healthcare staff, the acquisition of cutting-edge medical equipment, and the development of new state-of-the-art facilities. To donate now, you can call 204 515 5612. That's 515-5612. Or you can text HSCF. That's HSCF to 20222. So that's 20222 to donate 20 bucks. For months now. First Nations leaders have expressed concern over the disproportionate impact that COVID-19 could have in their communities.
2: Yeah, and I think in northern Manitoba this morning, there's some growing concerns. That concern is mounting, Brett. uh, We had said earlier, of the 261 new cases announced in the province yesterday, more than half were among First Nations people and so MKO Grand Chief Garrison Seti works to represent the needs of 26 First Nations communities in that part of the province and joins us now to talk about this further. Good morning, Grand Chief.
3: Hey, good morning. Nice to be here.
2: Well, thanks for taking the time for being with us, because I know you're probably getting lots of calls and questions about this uh, over the past few days, weeks, probably months. What are you hearing this morning?
3: Well, I think that uh, one of the most alarming stats that we've received uh yesterday and even today is the uh escalating rates of COVID in lynn lake and uh, the marcel cologne first nation and it's really alarming because uh, uh a few days ago they had six and out they have 127 confirmed cases in the community and the population is just under 500 uh, 500 people sorry And uh, it is very concerning because that is too high for any community to undergo such an ordeal.
0: Grand Chief uh, Sati, it's Greg Mackling here and uh, good morning and you know right from the get-go here we had that restriction for folks uh, traveling north of the 53rd Parallel Uh, it was very strongly uh, understood and strongly uh, emphasized that look anything uh, happening uh, on a high level with regard to COVID-19 higher numbers in northern Manitoba could be disastrous because of the the lack of resources uh, health facilities wise and for a variety of other reasons could you outline some of the the other reasons why this is just uh really not a very good thing at all and why we've been trying to guard this uh for the last eight nine months altogether
3: okay in my estimation that the the most critical issue is housing when you have so many people living in one household the chances of spreading covid is 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 very uh Critical and uh, it, it is very volatile. When you have uh, communities where you have housing shortages, shortage shortages and uh, that has been the uh, the, the chief's uh, concern from the get go. That we are in a most vulnerable situation because of a lack of infrastructure and lack of uh, the adequate health facilities. So uh, that's why we feel that this has hit us so hard in the north because the status quo is still the same. The infrastructure is still not there. The health facilities are not uh, conducive to uh, combating a a pandemic such as COVID-19. And uh, the resources are simply not there to be able to facilitate a proper uh, uh, approach to addressing COVID-19.
1: Are health officials giving you any information on how the virus might be spreading?
3: Well, I think that it is basically uh, because of, The people that are not tested and they don't know that they have it so that because they they don't know that they have the the virus and they continue to move in the community and that's how it spreads because of the lack of the testing sites that are needed and there is some testing going on but I think that because of the uh, limited uh, resources available that it has caused uh, an even greater problem for smaller First Nations.
2: Well, so many of those communities, Grand Chief are really remote, right? It might be fly-in only, or you can only get to them with winter roads that aren't up now. So testing is one part of the equation. And then I want to ask you about vaccines as the other, because... We know that vaccines arrived in Northern Manitoba over the past few weeks and that they're working to put this super center up in Thompson. All sorts of things are being planned. But what are you hearing in terms of the accessibility and how quickly that might get to some of the communities you represent? Or are they going to have to fly to places like Thompson to potentially receive the vaccine?
3: Uh, absolutely. There's, there's many things that will happen. But one of the things that there's, there was, uh, uh fifty three hundred uh doses that will be available uh for first nations but uh, those are those that those are the ones that have no road access and those that have road access will have to come to the super site and uh one of the problems i guess is there's a lot of ambival- ambivalence and a lot of anxiety and also being cautiously optimistic on how this vaccine will uh will impact our first nations and uh so I think that one of the things that we need to do is ensure that uh, we are patient and that there's, this is uh, unprecedented. And so there's a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of uh, data that is changing on a daily basis. So we have to rely on what is happening uh, in real time to be able to address it uh, as, as quickly as we can. Grand
0: Chief, it's one thing for me to get into my car and make the 20-minute trip to downtown Winnipeg to the RBC Convention Center if my name's on that list and I qualify – for a vaccine another thing altogether if you're in a remote community how far could we be talking about people having to drive to thompson if it's deemed uh i don't know practical i'm not sure what the word applicable here is because a lot of it doesn't seem very practical maybe the the Mm -hmm. logistics sound as though they're going to be very daunting uh for for everybody up there but in particular if you're having to drive a long distance to get to thompson how are you going to do that
3: it is a, uh, a massive undertaking and uh, it it is a complex process and because you have 15 communities that are isolated and they have to be flown in and uh, and some of them have to uh drive in at least 5 hours 4 hours to get to uh the site and uh and uh, it 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 is very uh, especially when you're an elder it is not a, an easy thing to go through uh and also, there's also the threat of contracting the virus when you're on route to the site. So there's a lot of things that could come into play when you're trying to uh, administer this process. So uh, there's a lot of, of things that we have to be weary of. But at the same time, we want to ensure that the vaccines go out and that people are getting vaccinated. That is our utmost, utmost concern because we're losing lives. Uh, lives have been lost. and We want to save lives, and that's... Uh, I guess that's probably the MO going forward, how to save as many lives as possible. Well,
1: MKO Grand Chief uh, Garrison Sati joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it, sir.
3: You're very welcome. Thank you so much.
1: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, it's Friday. And I'm excited for that. But I just wanted to quickly mention this uh, out loud. A couple of things, actually. One, I learned yesterday, and I don't know if this is going to be how it is all the time, but I put the Winnipeg Jets game on TV while I listened to the CJOB feed on my radio player app, Mm -hmm. and they synced perfectly. Now, because I've tried to do the... uh, Like, if you watch... A uh, football game, for example, but you're listening to CJOB on the radio. Sometimes yep. the TV feed is like a few seconds behind. Uh I was once upon a time, I was able to to get them synced. It took some work, but I had the CJOB listen live player on my computer. And I kept hitting pause on that and pause on the TV until they... <laughs> it took me like 10 minutes to get it synced, but I figured it out. Because I like to listen to Bob while I watch football. Uh, but I, so I wasn't sure how it would work because I know with radio player, there's a few seconds delay on that from the live feed, but it was just perfectly synced and it was great. I found, uh, because, and Greg, you can, either of you, you can comment on, tell me if I'm wrong, but, uh, radio, the radio call on hockey tends to be more exciting, I think, cause they're, they're, there's yes. more description going on, right?
2: Yeah, hands down. They're painting a the picture, right? Because you're imagining you in the car trying to follow the play, and it, particularly with hockey because it's just so quick. You know, it's not. It's it, like football. It, it's hard to follow sometimes too. But there's a there's a play and then a break, right? And and this can be six minutes of someone talking, and so it feels like you're just going back and forth and back and forth. So I love the call on radio, and I like I loved that last night. That's what got me out of bed when I tried to go to bed, was that I was uh, still listening. (laughs) So it was like, never mind. What are you doing? You can't do this.
0: You know, we've been so fortunate over the years to have Bob Irving call football the way he does and paint the picture. Uh, He just has an ability to lay everything out for you. So if you either close your eyes or in your mind's eye, you can see how the Bombers or the other team are set up pre-snap and it just, gets you, it just gets you ready for that play. But like you say, Loren, the difference between football and hockey is typically a football play doesn't last for more than four or five seconds. Well, Paul Edmonds has yeah. sometimes five, six, seven minutes in between whistles. That's pretty uncommon. More common to go 30, 40, sure. maybe 50, maybe a minute uh, between whistles. But yes, there's so much going on. It's happening all at once. And so it is a genuine skill to pick out the appropriate and the important things that are happening on the ice, to paint that picture, and then to to bring the excitement. And, I mean, think about that call at the end of the game when Patrick Liney scores that goal. It's like you're in the rink. You want to jump up and down, which, of course, I did.
1: Yeah, so it was great. I just found it. It added drama. It added tension. Uh, I found my heart was racing, and that's not to say that the the call the guys calling the games on television no, are no, bad. No, not no, at all. But
4: no, but I just
1: found it added more energy, more excitement. So yeah, that's uh, going to be a, a great way to uh, enjoy the Winnipeg Jets hockey games moving forward. And then you mentioned, Greg, that leads into my second point. You mentioned you want to be in that rink, uh, Loren. Earlier, you talked about you said, "Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me. The, the most random things will." set you off in an emotional reaction. And I'm kind of the same these days. I never, like, I'll sometimes see something that'll just randomly make me start tearing up a little bit. And this one came from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers at... Uh, winnipeg jets game this was uh when it uh, was the three bombers uh, including chris strevler and andrew harris and the third one uh his name escapes me i'm sorry but uh there's a picture on their instagram and uh are hoist the bombers are hoisting the great cup in front of a sellout crowd at bell mts place and it just made me think look at all those people who are together celebrating uh a winnipeg victory and getting ready to celebrate the winnipeg jets yeah i that's- wonder
2: what I was just going to say, I wonder what that is with the emotion in terms of, and if anyone else is feeling it, Greg, with that, like, I think part of it is because you're looking at an image, maybe, Brett, that we we can't even, we can only dream about right now, right? Yeah. Which is the getting together and winning championships and all those things. But even I'll find myself singing a song I like, and then my voice will break because I'm too teary to finish the song. So I don't know if that's exhaustion or what's going on. And it's happy. Like, it's not like I'm, it's not a sobbing feeling. It's just a... An, like emotions are right at the surface.
0: Yeah, no question about it. I just wanted to point out it's Nick Dembski is the third individual in that picture. Thanks, Greg. No problem. He's got the gray cup over his head in those beautiful blue Heritage Classic jerseys. If Can I just say right here, these should be the full-time home jerseys of the Jets. Just want to go on the record uh, with that. And, of course, Chris Trevler, We have such an affection for, for Chris in the community, and I think we've grown a little bit of a relationship here on this program with Chris. And then Winnipeg at its finest moment, 29 years in the making, and the hockey team and the football team celebrating together. And when I was a kid, I can tell you this, even though the Blue Bombers and the Jets played games across the street from one another and they quite often in the fall would have doubleheader Sundays where you'd have a Blue Bomber game in the afternoon and then a Jets game at night, one or two of those a year, there was very little interaction between the Blue Bombers and the Jets. You could sense that there was a genuine rivalry, a real fight for the entertainment dollar. And I love when the Jets and the Bombers interact on social media. I noticed the Gold Eyes got into it yesterday. You know, congratulations to the Jets. Good luck in the opening the season. And I think it's just that combination of that civic pride the idea that there's a picture of something that we waited so long for and I think we all have a connection to that combined with something that that brings us a lot of joy and something that's that, that that's out of reach right now and there's just so many emotions and yes, we're tired, Loren. I think we're tired and we're just really reflective and that, that's been a downfall and a good thing about the pandemic is just that whole... Uh, reflective uh, Mm. nature so much time to to reflect back on on the things that that do make us happy that we miss
2: well a listener just texted now to say hey I'm right there with you on the motions being right there it's definitely related to what's going on with the pandemic because I've experienced this before going through tough circumstances unsure exactly why but definitely relating so good to know that we're all just uh Crying all over the place. (laughs) But again, as I always say to my kids, like it's usually this happy tear feeling, you know, where you're just kind of overcome in the moment. And so it's not a melancholy or sad feeling. It's for the most part, right? It's just that um, I laugh more quickly now and I suppose I cry more quickly now. And maybe none of those are bad things.
0: Well, and I mentioned last night, Brett, just how good it felt when Patrick Liney scored that first goal of the game and I yelled, yeah! It felt so good to just an unadulterated, just impassioned feeling, that genuine happiness. I don't know the last time I yelled in in such exuberance in such a long time. It was such a release, and then it was only topped about two hours later when he scored the game winner in overtime, but there is something so magical, something satisfactory about letting out a yell in, in complete and utter joy and it, and it was something special last night
1: and that's the, that's probably what it is it's the the looking for some kind of a release you know for mm-hmm. i won't speak for anybody else in my case in particular like as i pointed out i live alone i don't say that to be like oh woe is me boo hoo poor Brett but my my day like my routine is i get up i come to work i see a handful of people at work and then i go home i might go to the store and then i just go home and i sit on my couch occasionally i do a video chat but otherwise it's just me and my television and like that's it and so i'm just maybe it's boredom or maybe it's just the fact that i'm trying to stay level headed and not let things get me down and then something just at random will kind of set me off in either and it's mostly a positive tears as well around this one uh, I think it was a combination of joy, just seeing that picture and having that memory, but also kind of like, ah, oh, it would be nice to do that. So it's more of a yearning cry than, uh, than a sad cry. Yeah. It wasn't like feeling sorry or feeling sad that we can't do that right now. Well, just Heather, miss
2: it. Heather just texted, sorry, Breck to say that she was at that Jets game when the Bombers were there with the cop, the one you're talking about in that photo, and said she teared up too, and she still does, thinking about it. She also said last night when the game started, she cried again. It was just nice to have something normal in life for a change right and so that that's the feeling everybody has as an aside she's also with you Greg on the blue jerseys she loves them so much the (laughs) retro ones and she wants to bring them back but hey this is where we're I think this is where many of us are at and again as we've been talking about through all this maybe some of these things aren't bad things in terms of things we should keep around you know being honest a bit more honest with your emotions and just saying you know what it's okay to get teary
0: I think that's a really good point. I've made the comment that I'm trying to do a better job of reaching out to people that I haven't haven't spoken to in a long time. And our our, our friend Rick Boland, who we've had on, he's he's written that terrific book, helping folks with their addictions. And we exchanged a heartfelt message yesterday, two or three of them, and I couldn't have imagined even. Eighteen months ago, speaking to the, this guy that way and being so frank and honest about my affection for him and my affection for the memories that we'd created together, and and that's dare I say one of the favorite parts of the pandemic for me has been these reconnections uh, with 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 my male friends in particular.
2: Saying I love you more, maybe right? I, I like, say it a
0: lot. I don't, I never hesitate to say it to <laughs> one of my brothers or one of my, my, or, my or my dad or my
2: sitting here Oh my god Greg. friends
0: yeah it's coming clock's are
2: ticking this I'll is get getting it. awkward it's I, like a I, long pause I got get you. there
0: Loren I get there
1: <laughs> Hey thanks for listening to the Start Podcast we are available on Apple Podcast Google Podcast wherever you find your favorite podcasts subscribe now and never miss an episode and if you like what you hear rate the show tell us what you think